grace and mercy and peace are yours. From God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word from Ephesians that we meditate on today is from chapter 5, beginning at verse 15. Paul writes, by inspiration of the Spirit, he says, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We like it when things make sense, don't we? When things happen the way they're supposed to. When we can plan and things happen the way we thought they would. We don't like surprises. We don't like things to go the way that they weren't supposed to go. We like it when things make sense. For instance, we are told that if you eat healthy and you exercise regularly, you will be healthier. Maybe live a longer life. We're told that if you drive safely and defensively, you can avoid car accidents. We're told that if you budget your money and you save and you plan, that you can live comfortably and you can have everything you need to meet your needs and more. We like it when things make sense like this, and things go the way that we expect them to go as planned, but, but we know that life's not like that. We know that things don't always go according to plan. We know that things don't always make sense, that just because you eat healthy or exercise doesn't mean that heart disease is not going to be a problem for you. Just because you drive safe, safely and defensively, there are a lot of people out there who are not, and that doesn't mean you're going to avoid every car accident. And even though you might budget and save and be wise with your money, that something's not going to happen to take that source of income away. Or that there's going to be enough to cover everything. Something, sometimes things don't go as planned. There isn't always that cause and effect logic that we like, that certainty. Things don't always make sense. Like how you can raise your child to know Jesus as their Savior and to take them to church every single Sunday and even maybe to Sunday school and maybe even send them to a Christian elementary school or high school. But when they get grown up and on their own, they don't step foot in a church. And you wonder if they believe anything that they were taught when they were young. It doesn't make sense to us. When we look at the economic divide in our world today, that 1% that of the population has 50% of the wealth in our world, that doesn't make sense to us, does it? It doesn't make sense. 
when we have a relationship that's strained. And, and there's nothing we can seem to do to, to make it right, to fix it. We've done everything in our power, but they just won't forgive, won't let go. It doesn't make sense to us how a child can have cancer and suffer. It doesn't make sense to us that, that I can, I'm a Christian and I go to church and I, and I do my best to love my family and, and, and share my faith, but yet look at my life. It's full of problem after problem, trouble after trouble. It just doesn't make sense. Things don't always add up. Things don't always go the way that we want them to. Things don't always happen the way we're told that they should go. And it's so easy for us to begin to question, isn't it? To begin to wonder, where is God? Is he in control? Does he love me? Does he care? Are his promises really true? And when things don't make sense to us in this life. When I was in high school, algebra didn't come naturally to me. And I always envied those other students for whom it did. Right? They didn't even really need to listen. They could skip class and still get A's, straight A's. It wasn't like that for me, and I envied them. But, but I'll tell you, when, when someone sat down with me and showed me through step by step, this is how it works, then I got it. It made sense then. Otherwise, without that, I was lost. I was clueless. I was looking at just a bunch of numbers and letters. But when it was shown to me, then I got it. The light went on. It made sense. And sometimes we need to be shown, don't we? And that's what God does for us in his word. He shows us that when even things don't seem to make sense, we can understand. That God can give us perspective. That God can help us grasp what is going on, maybe if we don't know the why. And that's what Paul is writing to these young, these Christians in Ephesus about here. And just a quick recap, again, we're, we're well into this sermon series on the book of Ephesians. And, and the first half of the letter is all about what God has done for us in Christ. Chosen us before the creation of the world to be his very own. And then carrying out that plan to save us and to make us his by sending Jesus Christ in his grace to rescue us from our sins and to come and to give us the gift of faith to believe. Even that is not from ourselves. It's all by grace we are saved, not by works, but all through the work of Christ. He has brought peace between us and God and then with each other. Right? The first half of Ephesians is all about God for us through Christ Jesus. And that's where, identity, where our identity is found. In the second half of the letter now, and that's where we are here, is it's all about the so what? How does this matter? How does this make a difference in my life? What does this grace of God look like in, in my daily living and how I look at my life, how I deal with the things that don't make sense? And so Paul is writing here to these Christians and saying, all right, I've talked to you all about this grace of God that is yours in Christ Jesus, but now this is what this looks like. This is how this impacts your life. Now, the, the context here of the verses that we're looking at uh, the, the, the most recent heading, or the title that was put in here, comes way back in chapter 4. 
And it is instructions for Christian living. This is what this looks like in your Christian life. And the more immediate context, just before these verses, where we start at verse 15, just before them, Paul is talking about how we are children of the light. We've been called out of darkness into God's marvelous light. And now we long to live in that light. And our lives are all about making that light known. That is the purpose of our life in this world. That is your purpose in this, in this world. It's to know that light, live in that light, and to share that light. That is the sole purpose your life has. And it affects everything that you do as a ch child of the light. And there's the warning here from Paul that that darkness is still lurking. Yes, you have been called into that light and you live in that light all by God's grace, but that darkness is still out there and it wants you back more than anything. Right? We live in a spiritually darkened world, a world filled with unbelief. And the sinful world that wants you, around you wants nothing more than for you to be part of it again. To not just be in the world, but to become part of the world. You have right within you slice of darkness yet. That sinful flesh that still resides within you longs for nothing but the darkness, nothing but the evil, nothing but selfishness and what's for you and who cares about God and anybody else. And then you've got the prince of darkness himself, your enemy, Satan, who wants nothing more than for you to join him and be with him right now and forever. And he continually is coming to you and whispering in your ear, did God really say? God can't mean that. Look at, look at your life. Look at all these things going on that just make no sense. God can't be there. God can't love you. God can't be powerful. Look at that prince of darkness who is trying to lure you into doubts, into disbelief, into unbelief, into despair. That's all his purpose is. And he is on the prowl. And so that's why Paul's writing here. He's writing to children of the light. He's writing to you, and he's sounding a warning. A warning that is just as important 2,000 years ago as it is today in 2021. He says, be very careful. Be very careful. The darkness is out there. And that is not who you are. You don't belong to the darkness anymore. You are a child of the light. And so this is what he says at the beginning of our lesson. So we're starting at verse 15 of chapter 5. He says, Be very careful then, because of all of this, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There are three contrasts that, that Paul sets up here in these verses. He says, don't be unwise. He says, instead, be wise. He says, don't be foolish. Instead, understand what the Lord's will is. And then he says, don't get drunk on wine. And really, you could broaden that out to don't, don't try to fill yourself with anything in this life that really can't satisfy. That really is just going to leave you empty in the end. Because all these things just lead to sin. Instead of being filled with the things of this world that the world tries to tell you is good and right and is going to bring you happiness and joy, instead be filled with the Spirit. The three contrasts that he sets up here. 
And why? Why does he say be wise instead of unwise? Be understanding instead of foolish. Be filled with the spirit rather than being filled with the things of this world. Because he says the days are evil. And that is probably the understatement of the century, isn't it? The days we live in are absolutely evil. They were in Paul's day 2,000 years ago. They are today. You don't have to look very far, do you? Turn on the news. The evil's all around. Maybe look even closer, right in your own neighborhood. The evil's there. Look right in your home. There's evil lurking there too. And even right still in that slice of your heart, in that sinful, selfish flesh, evil wants to have its way with you. The days are evil, Paul says. The evil's all around, and it's trying to lure you back into that darkness and be part of it again. So he says, be very, very careful. Be wise. Be understanding. Be filled with the Spirit. So that you can know. When those times of doubts, those moments when things just don't add up, when things don't go the way they're supposed to go, or the way you're told they're supposed to go, when things don't make sense, we can know the truth. When things don't make sense, God says, I'm here to impart to you wisdom, to have understanding. And that wisdom isn't necessarily a worldly wisdom. Oh, sure, God does impart worldly wisdom to us. He does tell us things, but he's not going to tell you exactly, right, how you should fix a relationship. Like, this is the step-by-step -step thing that you should do. And it's not how to, how to fix your budget, maybe, right, or how to stay out of a car accident. Right? Maybe it's not down to those specifics. But the wisdom that God imparts to you matters more than any of that. Because it's a wisdom that is not just for this life, but goes beyond this life. And that wisdom is actually found in a person. It's found in the one who says, my ways are not your ways. That wisdom is found in that one who says that, I know everything that you're going through. And I'm there through all of it. It's that wisdom in flesh that can say to you that I'm with you always, no matter what. It's that wisdom in flesh that can say to you that no matter what happens in this life, I'm working for your eternal good. I'm on your side, and if I'm with you, who can be against you? What can be against you? What can snatch you from my hand? That wisdom personified that our God promises to us when life throws us curveballs, when things don't go the way we planned, when things just don't make sense to our human minds, that wisdom that says, I love you. With a love that makes no sense. You ever think about that love that our God has for us? It makes no sense. It really doesn't. Because, because I know myself, and you know yourself better than anybody knows you, and you know that... You know what God's word says. You know what he expects of you as a child of the light. 
He knows, you know how you are to live. But be honest with yourself. What's on the pages of this book doesn't always translate into the way you live, the way you talk, even the way you think. You know that about yourself. And you know what? God knows that too. But yet, he says, I love you anyways. <laughs> and for every sin, and every sin is every time that we have said, we know better than you, God. Every sin is a turning our back on God and what he has to say to us and his will and his ways for us. For every single one of those, through every one of them, he still says, I love you anyways. <laughs> Friends, that's a, that love makes no sense. Why should God love me? Knowing who I am at the core, that, that, I, that I don't do the things I should do, I, I, the things I, I, sh I, I should do, I don't do. Right? Just like along with Paul, we say, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Right? The sin I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Why should God love me? I don't know. But he does. And because he didn't want to just say he loves you, just, you know, just be words on a page, he, he brought it to fruition. That love and that wisdom was made flesh and came to dwell among us. And that love was made known as the Son of God himself was willing to go to hell and back literally for you. And to be buried in a tomb. Only to be raised again. And now he bears eternal scars to prove with action that he loves you. With an undying love. An eternal love. An unconditional love. A love with no strings attached whatsoever. He loves you because he loves you. Friends, that makes no sense to me. But it's true. It's absolutely true. That love that our God has for us, that, that he says and that he proves. And it's this no-sense love of God that's revealed to you right here. This word that we hold in trembling hands. This word that reveals to us God made flesh. The word made flesh who came to dwell among us and to live and to die and to rise and to come and impart to us the wisdom of how we are saved. What God has done for us in Christ Jesus and still does for us as we go through this life of trials and troubles and a life that more often than not makes no sense, God continues to come in his word and says, you are loved and you are mine. It's here in these means of grace that we are filled with that wisdom, that plan of salvation. It's here that we get to understand what the Lord's will is. So, and, and let's talk about that Lord's will for just a second. We, we pray for that will to be done every Sunday in the Lord's Prayer, right? We pray, your will be done. So what is God's will? What is it that we want done? What is it that we want to understand about the Lord's will? Well, there's a lot of things that are the Lord's will, but, but probably the top ones, he wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. He wants all people to know what Jesus Christ has done for a world of sinners. And for those who do know, 
He wants you to grow in that. He wants you to deepen your understanding and deepen your wisdom that he imparts to you through these means of grace. That we want to grow that faith and understand more and more that nonsensical love of God, that we can try to begin to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for us. That's what the Lord's will is. And when you understand that will, that's what guides your life. I said it earlier, and I'm going to say it again because this is too important to miss. What your life in this world is all about as a child of the light is knowing that grace of God, living in that grace, and then sharing that grace. Living in that light and making that light known. That is your purpose. Your purpose is not to get savings for retirement. Your true purpose in this life is not to advance in your career. Your true purpose is not just to be healthy and beautiful. Your purpose in this life, your true, absolute purpose is to know that light and live in that light and to share that light. And to understand that will of the Lord for you and for all people. And right here is where you get it. The wisdom you need. The understanding of the Lord's will that you need. And to be filled, not with the things of this life. Not to be try, you know, try to fill those needs for, for love and, 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 and worth and value by the things of this life, but instead to be filled with the Spirit. Because that's that Spirit who works through these means of grace to convince you of who you really are and what Christ Jesus has done for you and what your true identity is. Friends, be wise. Be wise in the things that really matter. You, you can learn all sorts of things for this life. Not going to stop you from doing that. But just remember, they're just for this life. All of the knowledge and the wisdom you have in the things of this world are just for this world. They're here today and gone tomorrow. But this wisdom is forever. This wisdom helps you in this life, yes, but it also lasts beyond the grave for your eternity. Friends, be wise. Understand what the Lord's will. Be filled with the Spirit through His Word. You know, there, there are many who, who think about this book. So many in our world who just think this is just a book. A book with a whole lot of contradictions. A book that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right? You start reading it and maybe someone opens up a Bible for the first time. Or maybe they come sit in a church service or go to a Bible class or tune in on, on a, you know, YouTube or something like that and listen in and say, this, this stuff doesn't make any sense. It contradicts itself. It's, it's full of fairy tales. Right? They start reading about the miracles. They don't, they don't jive with human reason. Right? How can there be an all-powerful God who created everything out of, out of nothing in six 24-hour days. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's not possible. Yeah. I'll admit, a lot of what's in this book does not make sense. It does not fit with human reason. We can't make it all fit together and, and see how it all works, but that doesn't mean it's not real and it's not true. But it's the Spirit himself that we are filled with as we are in this word who convinces us of the truth of this word and every word of it is truth. That it's here that what we may not understand, 
we can, in a sense, understand. Because it's by faith that we receive and we know it's true. You know, when, when I take uh, people through our, our Bible basics class, people who maybe have never had any contact with Christianity ever before, it's the first time they've ever opened up a Bible, or, or, or those who maybe have fallen away, and it's been a long time since they've, since they've ever read the Bible or, or listened to anything from it. And we do that class every Monday night at 7 p.m. You are always welcome. Everyone is welcome to refresh in those basics of the Christian faith. But when I, when I go through some of, those, some of those teachings of the Bible that just don't make sense to us, like the Trinity, how can God be three persons but there's just one God? Right? Or the sacraments, how can water wash away sin? How can, how can you know, the body and blood of Jesus be in that bread and wine at the same time and give us forgiveness? How, can, how, how does the incarnation work? How does Jesus, how is he God and man in one person at the same time? I mean, these things don't make sense. And so we'll get to the end of a section of that class. And I'll, you know, a way to ask, do you have any questions? Does this make sense? Do you understand? And the answer is usually, yeah, we get it. And I stop and think and say, wait, no, you don't. Because I don't get it. But they know what I'm asking and I know what they're saying. They've been convinced by the truths of these scripture. They've been filled with the Spirit. They've been given that divine wisdom of these things that really matter and that bring us true peace and purpose and life. When things don't make sense, our God sends his Holy Spirit to convince us. That happened in our gospel lesson. We heard that discourse of Jesus to those who were following, some disciples, some skeptics, some unbelievers. And he's talking about his flesh being real bread. That his blood is real drink. And if you want to be part of him and you want to have life, you've got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And it wasn't in the section we had, but just after that, if you read just a little farther, you know what happens? Many people stop following him. It was too much for them. Oh, they like to see the miracles. They like to hear the teachings about love and peace and kindness. But when it came to this, it's too much. Many turned away. But we get it. We understand. By the gift of the Holy Spirit, we know what Jesus is saying to us is that he becomes our life. He is everything. Without him, we have absolutely nothing. Not in this life or the next. We have that wisdom because of that Spirit. We have that promise that the Holy Spirit will continue to convince us of these truths even when things don't make sense, even when things in life don't go the way they should. You know what does make sense? Our response. It makes perfect sense what our response to all of this is. When we know the grace of God, when we know what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, our response is natural. Our response just happens. This is, this is how Paul ends this lesson. And what he says, our response to all this, he says. He says uh, at the end of verse 18, Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, be wise, 
have understanding. Know what the Lord's will is. Know who you are in Christ Jesus. Know that grace of God. And you know what the natural reaction is going to be? When you're filled with that spirit, your life becomes worship. Now, most certainly, Paul is talking about public worship here. That we get together, and with one another, we get to speak together psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Most certainly, gathering together here, in this space, together, is a response of that nonsensical love of God for us. And the fact is, if someone is not gathering here, if someone is not sitting in these pews, every opportunity they have, it's that they don't grasp that love, do they? How can they? Once you know that love, how can you not want to live in that love and praise God for that love and share that love with your fellow Christians who need it? But this is more than public worship. Because our lives become worship. Our entire life becomes worship. And so it doesn't matter Right? He talks about singing and making music from your heart to the Lord. It doesn't matter if you can sing in the choir or if you are tone deaf. We sing and make music in our heart to the Lord as then our worship and our praise becomes words and actions. That our lives in response to the wisdom God has imparted to you become worship. That we get to love one another with that nonsensical love God has first shown us. And that love that we have for one another is not going to make sense to the rest of the world. Do you know that? When we love each other as God has first loved us, they're not going to get it. They're going to say, look at how they love each other. Look at how they forgive each other, even when they've wronged one another. Look at how they let things go and don't hold it against each other. Look at how they drop other things and put the things of this world aside to serve and to love each other, and to meet each other's needs. Look at how they love. Friends, that's what happens. When this love so fills our heart, when this wisdom and this knowledge and this understanding and this Holy Spirit through this word convinces us of this nonsensical love that we can love each other with a love that doesn't make sense to the world. That in everything, as Paul finishes it, we do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what our lives in this world are about. Doing everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ who lived and died and rose for us and loved us so that we can love one another. You know, there are so many times in life when things don't make sense and maybe if you're still getting disappointed by the way things go, maybe it's just come to expect it. Things are not always going to go the way you plan them. Things are not going to always go the way we're told they're supposed to go. Things are not always going to make sense. And you know what? That's okay. It really is okay. Because we've got a God who says, I give you perspective. We've got a God who says, I come and I give you wisdom that I have a plan for you. And that plan is to bring you to heaven. That I am with you no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what storm you're facing or you've gone through. That I am a God who is there to continue to show you my, unforgiv- uh, my, my forgiving, unconditional love through Christ Jesus. So that in everything, as Paul says, in everything we can give thanks to God. In every circumstance, whether it goes the way we plan or not, whether it makes sense to us or not, 
we can give thanks because of that one who says that you're mine right now. And you know what? There's going to come a day when everything will make sense. When everything will be known. When you will get to be before me in my throne and you will, we will get to live together face to face forever. But until then, be wise. Understand what the Lord's will. Be filled with the Spirit. And then go make his love known. God grant it. Amen. Please stand.